I have been in a whirlwind. Yesterday afternoon at 4 o'clock, I was at the general conference <laughs> in Atlanta, Georgia. And I thought, I better get going here. Someone said, it's 4th July weekend. The airport's probably real. And then my journey began, and I was carrying three bags. You know, first off, I was going to leave on Wednesday night. I was there for pre-session eight days. And then I thought, well, this is nice. It's great being here. There's just hordes of folks. And Sue got there Monday of this week. We were together, enjoying being together there. And I thought, I'm taking off a few days. I'm taking off Thursday and Friday, and I'll go back on Sunday with Sue. So I arranged to go back on Sunday, tomorrow morning, change the flight and all. And then in the midnight hour, I thought, wait a minute. <laughs> I was supposed to speak at Bonita. And I was telling Richard Lewis, I was tempted to call him last minute. And then I thought, no, I've learned in the Navy to accept responsibility and just, all right. So I changed the flight again. And I left, and I was trudging along these three. I had, I had my books, all this junk, good junk from GC, and a big bag of clothes, and I took two extra suits that I didn't even need, but it was heavy, and then the roller, and I'm going along and having to probably a mile just through the MARTA system and having to change and worrying of, oh, am I going to get there? And it was hot and muggy, and I was just... And then you have to switch stations and go from north-south to east-west and go down and come up around. I was on the wrong side, had to go up again. And the escalator wasn't working, and I'm trugging up the stairs. And I finally got on the train to the airport, and I sat down. And I was sweating so profusely, drenched. My shirt was completely drenched, and sweat was pouring off me. This dear, dear lady I never met was sitting right there. <laughs> And she said, here. <laughs> she handed me about three or four napkins. <laughs> I said, thank you very much. You've noticed. <laughs> so I filled that napkin just full of ugh. And then finally got on the plane, got in last night about 8.30. Oh, my. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad I'm here, too. It was so chaotic leaving that dome yesterday afternoon. It was as if all the traffic, it was like you were a fish swimming upstream. I was going that way, and these hordes of people, hundreds by the hundreds and the thousands, were coming this way, and I'm wiggling in and out, carrying all this stuff. And uh, people stop and visit, and I'm trying to get around them, and then I couldn't find the... Oh, so anyway, I am just so glad to be back. Really, I am, just because it, it, it seemed like the numbers increased exponentially yesterday morning. I've been uh, manning one of the booths for the chaplaincy ministries, and uh, it's been very busy, but it's almost so busy, it's like a fire hazard. There's so many people. There's about a 1,000 different booths down in this huge convention center that's the size of 20 football fields or something like that and back and forth and up and down. So it's quite a wonderful place, but uh, I'm sure it's just enormously packed, and the business of the church goes on. So maybe it's not such a bad thing that I came back a little early. 
Sue's got that to look forward to tomorrow. She's getting up about 2 o'clock our time, has to be at the train station at 5.30 their time to catch a flight leaving at 8 in the morning out of Atlanta. So I hope she's able to get to bed kind of early tonight. She probably won't. <laughs> so I, I have been enormously encouraged as I've thought about the kingdom of heaven. We've been having a series on the kingdom of heaven here in our church for the last number of weeks. And uh, by introduction, I'm thinking back to 28 years ago and just a few months from today. Um, Sue was in labor with our firstborn, Sarah, who is 28 and change now. And we were so excited to go to the hospital. We brought with us our Uno game, and we brought with us some other. We were just going to have a good old time spending time there just as the labor progressed. But as the labor progressed, you know how that, you don't know if you're a guy, but woof. It, it got really intense and severe, and there she was, and it began. And they don't call it labor for nothing, do they? <laughs> oh, my, it was just to look at her experiencing all this, and there were no games and no fun. <laughs> and it continued on hour after hour after hour. started in the early afternoon. It was past midnight, and it was still going. About 11 p.m., She's in the throes of this, almost fully effaced and dilated, but not quite. And her midwife says, come on, Sue. I want you to get up. I have something I want to show you. We both looked at this lady. You wanted to get up? She's in bed experiencing these enormous contractions and just crying out. Come on, get up. I want to. Well, what am I going to do if I have, if, when I have that, my next contraction? She said, you'll just stop. And you'll be still, and then you'll continue on. Well, where are we going? I'm going to take you somewhere. So she got up out of bed and, and, you know, walked, you know, kind of like, like so. And she walked where she was going, and then the contraction came. And, oh. and so it is, we finally got, we didn't know where she was taking us. We got to the place where she was taking us. She brought us to this window, and then she went inside. She opened up this big screen. And inside, there was a whole bunch of babies sitting in their beautiful babies in their bassinets, sweet little newborn children. And she said, she said, this is the end result of your labor. This is what you are laboring toward. This is your reward. And it had a cheering effect. It had, a, it had an encouraging influence upon her and upon us. Sometimes it is so possible to get bogged down in the labor, in the struggles, in the problems of the here and now that we forget about what lies ahead. This world is a journey. We are on a pilgrimage. We are strangers and sojourners in a foreign place. Sometimes it can get so overwhelming, I think we can forget about what the reward is, what we are heading toward as believers. My purpose this morning is to remind you, my beloved brothers and sisters, 
that we are headed toward a heavenly land and that our journey and our destination is heaven and that heaven is a real place. It is a place where there will be none of the struggles that we struggle with here and now. And I must concede that human language is inadequate to describe it. No finite mind can comprehend the wonders of the kingdom. You remember that text in Corinthians where it says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for those that love him. It is impossible for us to comprehend just what the experience of the heavenly land will be like. Having admitted that, we continue with a sanctified imagination as we journey with the saints toward the kingdom this morning. Because one day, one day, it's going to happen, the Lord is going to announce from his heaven that today is the day. Now is the time. Today is the day only my father has known from the beginning of creation. Gabriel, I've got a task for you. I want you to go and wing about the universe and gather all of heaven's company together and tell them the good news. Today is the day we are headed toward planet Earth. Today is the day that only my father has known since the creation of the world. Gather all of heaven's company together. Let's meet in the great amphitheater in about 30 minutes. And the last instructions are given. And the company of heaven, led by the Lord Christ, journeys off from that great amphitheater toward planet Earth after all the angels receive their final instructions about where they're to go and what they're to do. Meanwhile, back on planet Earth, God's people are going through a difficult time. It's called a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation and who shall be able to stand in the great day of the Lord God Almighty. Some of us think it's kind of hard now, and it is kind of hard now. And I don't look forward to things getting more difficult, certainly. But um, we are told a time of trouble is coming. And uh, these are like birth pangs, if you please. As the birth pains get nearer and nearer together, it is an indicator that the birth will soon happen. And as the troubles get worse and worse on many fronts, socially, economically, financially, governmentally, as all these troubles get worse and worse, these are like birth pangs, along with natural disasters and all the rest. And Gabriel, don't forget to pick up your trumpet on the way back with all the angels. And then when they reach into our atmosphere, so it is written, the trumpet of the Lord shall sound. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we, which are alive, will look up and see in the eastern sky a cloud about the size of a man's hand. And someone will say, could it be? Could that be the cloud? That Jesus and the angels sit upon? 
He has promised he'd come in a time such as this. We have looked, we have waited, we have prayed, we have labored, we have worked. Surely it must be the Lord. And as that cloud gets closer, the sky gets darker. And it's as if there is a bright uh, laser light in the middle of that darkness. And as it gets closer, it gets brighter still. And then the heavens depart as a scroll. And behind that great scroll is the Lord Christ on the heavenly chariot with all of heaven's company. And he says these words. He says, Awake. 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 Maybe it's a real loud awake. I don't know. Awake! Ye that sleep in the dust of the earth and arise. And that's the sign for the angels to go about and to accompany those loved ones that you have laid to rest. What that will be like in that great getting up morning when the dead in Christ rise first and are caught up. And then some of us are still alive. We begin to feel a little bit left out. There they go. Then we which are alive shall be caught up together with them to be in the air with the Lord. And so we will ever be. Two weeks ago, Pastor Julio chronicled that journey based upon that text in Revelation chapter 8 where it says there was silence in heaven about the space of a half hour. As they do the calculations, these theologians, you know, the year-day principle, half hour is about a week's time. As we journey through the galaxies and through the supernovas, as the family of the redeemed from all ages are on that cloud with the Savior and with all the angels, Does anybody know how fast the speed of sound is? No, it's not 5,000. Not 1,000. It's about... No, no, because an airliner flies at 450 miles an hour. I think it's around 700 miles an hour. That's the speed of sound. You ever seen a plane break it? You know, at 700 miles an hour, the speed of sound. The fastest measurement we have is the speed of light which makes the speed of sound seem like less than a turtle. I mean, the speed of light is the fastest measurement. That's 186,000 miles per second. If you were to aim a beam of light, it goes around planet Earth seven times in one second. That's how fast. One second, it goes around the Earth seven times. That's really fast, isn't it? It takes that beam of light just eight seconds to make it to the moon. It takes that beam of light about nine minutes to make it to the sun. But they have been able to measure a light year. That's if you were to shoot that beam of light out and have it go for a whole year, that's called a light year. Remember, in one second, it goes around the earth seven times. Can you imagine the distance? They have been able to measure a billion light years out. A billion years with that beam of light going out into the darkness of outer space and the galaxies and all the rest. Incredible. But that's nothing. It's got to be faster than that that we're moving. Because 
It's way out there. You're talking about the vast expanses. And as we are headed through these galaxies and supernovas, someone, we know we're going to get to heaven soon. There's a rumor on the cloud. It begins to surface. Somebody thinks they've spotted the new Jerusalem way up ahead out there. And it's buzzing around the whole cloud. It's a new Jerusalem. Yeah, I think someone saw it, the new Jerusalem way up there. Way out there. And we begin to ask the angel, is that the new Jerusalem? Really, is that it? Tell us. They say, shh, be patient. Just hold your horses. You'll see. And as we get closer, sure enough, the city begins to take, begins to take form. And it is a huge city. And as we get there, it's quite a remarkable thing. Uh, because this big cloud filled with the family of the redeemed, there are hundreds of millions, perhaps, of folk on there. And this is a big place, heaven. Have you ever been on a cruise ship where you pulled into port? You know, when you get close to where you're docking, it goes real slow, and they have to just make sure it docks just right. Otherwise, it bumps against the pier. Or if it goes in, it's very slow. And very... What's it going to be like to dock this thing? You ever watch any of those sci-fi movies where they go in, you know, they're pulling up real close? And this is a huge, huge event. The cloud is docking. We're pulling up. Next stop, we've arrived. Heaven. This is it. Heaven. We're here. Heaven. And so it is, we pull up, and the gate's open. And there it is. It's heaven. It's heaven. And there we are. And as we prepare to disembark the cloud and come aboard the kingdom, it's as if God's saints are filled with an enormous sense of unworthiness. You know, there's protocols for everything. When you go on board a Navy ship, you can't just walk on board. You have to walk up the brow, you turn toward the ensign back aft, and you salute the ensign, and then you come to the officer of the deck, you show your ID card, and you say, request permission to come aboard. Well, surely there's some kind of protocol we're going to follow. I mean, we're stepping off the cloud and onto heaven itself. What's the protocol, someone's wondering. What do we do? No one knows what to do. There we are. We want to go, but everybody's a little hesitant, feeling an enormous sense of unworthiness. When from out behind steps the captain of our salvation. He goes to the front of the cloud, steps onto the shores of heaven itself, and with outstretched hands, he says, Come, ye blessed of my Father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And there is a sense 
of overwhelm, even though I acknowledge that I am unworthy, even though I am filled with a sense of my shortcomings and my failures and my disobedience, and that I am not what I should have been as I look to the captain and as you look to the captain of your salvation and see his hands extended and you see the wounds in his hands and on his head and in his feet and on his side, you see that your darkest chapters, your most grievous sins are covered and they are buried in the wounds of the one who loved you and gave himself for you and for me. And then we step off the cloud onto heaven. And when you do that, the first one to greet is the Savior. And he will say, Hi, Jody. Hi, Jane. Welcome to the kingdom of heaven. Hi, Mark. Welcome to heaven. I've got a nice place prepared for you right here. One by one, we pass through. He will greet you. He will greet me by name. You know, you'll never need an introduction to Jesus. He knows you better than your mother, than your father, than the closest person, than your spouse, than your kids. He knows you better than anybody. Have you ever thought if they really knew me, though, would they like me? They won't like me. He knows you. And he knows all about you and me. But he is prepared not only to like, which he does, but he loves us. And as he greets us, there's a greeting committee behind him. Why? It's the 24 elders. Who are these people? We're not quite sure, but we know probably Moses and Elijah is going to be there. Who are the three that met him, Chip? Moses, Elijah, and just two? Oh, Enoch will be there too, certainly, and maybe some of the ones resurrected at the special resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there we step on to the kingdom and we will look up. We notice the outline of the city from far out in the outer reaches of outer space. But do you remember that scene in The Wizard of Oz when they finally got to Oz? You know, the scarecrow and the cowardly lion and the tin man and Dorothy. And they were knocking on the door and the guy said, Go away! The wizard will not see you! And they were just so... And then the guy had pity... And he opened up the door and they went inside and they were filled with wonder. Well, that's nothing compared to the reality of the kingdom. Because this is the celestial city. Tess, I really like your drawing, by the way. But it's a paltry attempt, really. And any, any attempt to to depict the kingdom. It's a celestial city. I don't know if it's 450 miles this way. Well, it's a perfectly square city. 450 miles this way. 450 miles that way. 450 and 400. It's 1,500 miles square, I think. 
Theologians sometimes think, well, is it 1,500 by 1,500 by 15 by 15 or 450? But it's big. It's about the size of California. Just the city. Just the city. And it is as high as it is long. And it even says how wide the walls are. 200 and, I wrote this down. 200 and something feet long, 280 feet long. It's about from home plate to left center field, that wide, the walls. And uh, as we go through the gates, there's ooing and aahing. It's a big place. And there is, if you think of the most beautiful place you have ever been to, and a lot of us have traveled around here and there. There's some beautiful places. It's nothing compared to this place. I mean, we're talking about heaven here. <laughs> Do you remember how it was for you if you've ever had this experience the very first time you went to Disney World as a child? You looked around and you saw the colors and you saw the flowers and you saw the buildings and you saw the water and the streams and everything, nothing. But it's that sense of wonder as we go in. And there's a big river. It's the river. It's the river of life. Look at that. It's the river of life. And it, the, the book of Revelation describes how there is a tree, the tree of life, that is so big uh, and the river goes right through it. So half the trunk of the tree is on one side and half the trunk of the tree is on the other side and the river goes right through it. And the water is crystal clear. And if you drink of that water, oh, that's the best water ever. Talk about the fountain of youth. Again, nothing compared to that. And um, so we're filing past and what I love is that Lines won't be an issue in the kingdom. Why? Because time won't be a factor there. I just came from the GC. I was, I was pondering this notion yesterday. Uh, a lot of escalators there. And I was waiting for two minutes to get on an escalator. Because there was so many people crowded up to get on a double wide escalator. And I thought, oh, this is impossible. But lines won't be an issue. Why? Because time will not be an issue. We will have time. And it won't be like we're all crowding to get there. After you. No, after you. No, you go first. It's okay. I got the time. You got this is heaven. <laughs> this is heaven. <clears throat> so as we're thinking about things, Somehow, over the giant PA system, or however they're going to do it, the word comes that we're to gather for the first meeting in heaven. Let's go to the same amphitheater and meet there at sunset. No, at sunrise. And it's not S-U-N rise. It's S-O-N. Rise. Meet there at sunrise. Because the light will come from the sun in the kingdom. And so we know how to get there. How we do, I'm not sure. But 
there we are in this great amphitheater, this great heavenly worship experience. I just came from the Georgia Dome yesterday, and there you could fit 73,000 people. It's all there, and they had the Super Bowl there, and that's where the delegates were on the floor, and it was just huge, and that's nothing. This thing has got to hold millions and millions and tens and scores of millions. It is so big. There we are pouring in, waiting for the first event to take place. And uh, our bodies will be different than they are now because our eyesight will be keen and clear as will be our hearing. So if you wanted to say something to that someone who was over on the other side, who is that? Does it? Could it be? You begin to think, yeah, I think that's Zacchaeus over there, the little short guy. Who is that one over there? Could it be? Is that Abraham? Is that this one? Is that this one? This one of the apostles. Are you kidding me? The apostles. And we might be able to read each other's lips. Why not? <laughs> so anyway, everything is getting settled. You know there's a great sense of anticipation and the lights go down. And off one corner over there, the spotlight comes upon this big giant door opening up. I mean, it's this huge door. It's huge. And out steps this guy who is like 14 feet tall. It's none other than Adam. It's the head of the race. And he begins to walk out and the spotlight is on him. And the music is playing and he's walking toward the center. And he's looking around. You know how proud you feel about your kids if you've got kids or grandkids? He's looking at his kids. <laughs> These are all mine. We all come from your great, great, great grandfather's great, great, great grandfather's great, 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 you know, all the rest, all the way back. These are his progeny. We, the saints of the Most High. And as he's looking around, Way off from the other side, the other door begins to open and the spotlight switches and out steps the second Adam who begins to walk toward the center. The two Adams, the head of the human race, because of his actions, the human race was lost because of his undoing in the Garden of Eden, is about to meet the second Adam, because of what he did, the human race is redeemed. The two Adams are about to meet in the beginning, uh, that is in the middle of the stadium. And as Adam the first meets Adam the second, he takes his crown off and lays it at the feet. And that's our sign to do the same. And the heavenly anthem sings a wonderful chorus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Worthy. Worthy. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world to receive honor and power and glory and wisdom now and forevermore.
What's next? <laughs> Doesn't matter. What's next? It's just the beginning. We are told that there will be work for us to do. Do you love your work or do you hate your work? Most of us say, oh, i got to go to work. i got work tomorrow. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. You're going to love your work in the kingdom and you're going to have it. It'll be a good kind of work. It, uh, the book of Isaiah indicates that, uh, that we'll build, build houses and inhabit them. You know, so often we're doing something for somebody else who's got a lot more money than we have. <laughs> we'll build habits and houses and inhabit them. We'll plant vineyards and we'll eat the fruit of them. And it says, my chosen will enjoy the work of their hands. And in this place, the wolf and the lamb will dwell together. Uh, I'm going to read in closing the last page of the book of the Great Controversy, which describes that scene. <clears throat> you should go and read this if you haven't yet. I've read it, but I reread it, and uh, it's really quite wonderful. Um, it says there, <clears throat> pain cannot exist in the atmosphere of heaven. There will be no more tears, no funeral trains, no badges of mourning. There will be no more death, neither crying nor sickness, for the former things are passed away. There is the new Jerusalem, the metropolis of the glorified new earth. Of course, this would be later on a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of God. In the city of God, there will be no night. None will need or desire repose. Stop there. None will need or desire repose. What, is, what does that mean? We won't need rest. You know, I was thinking this week as I was back in Atlanta, I pictured my life as a battery. You know, it start out fresh in the morning with 100%. And I'd be walking like crazy. We'd walk probably five or six miles a day and the battery would go down, 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 down till there was nothing left at the end. Was, Your batteries will be ever charged. <laughs> there will be no need or desire for repose. There will be no weariness in doing the will of God and offering praise to his name. We shall ever feel the freshness of the morning and shall ever be far from its close. We shall ever feel the freshness of the morning and be ever far from its close. And they need no candle, neither the light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light. There the redeemed shall know, even as they are known. Do you have questions about why things happen the way they do? I, I do. I have some really important questions. To me, I wonder why it is certain things have happened the way they've happened that puzzle me to no end. And it is written, now we see through a glass dimly, but then we shall see face to face and we shall know, even as we are known, we shall know, you will know. 
The redeemed shall know, even as they are known, the love and sympathies which God himself has planted in the soul shall find the truest and sweetest exercise. There immortal minds will contemplate with never-failing delight the wonders of creator, creative power and the mysteries of redeeming love. There will be no cruel, deceiving foe to tempt to forgetfulness of God. Every faculty will be developed. Every capacity increased. The acquirement of knowledge will not weary the mind or exhaust the energies. You ever get tired of studying? When I was in school, it's like my brain is full. It's like a sponge. There's nothing more I can put in there. It won't be like that. The acquirement of knowledge will not weary the mind. There the grandest enterprises may be carried forward. The loftiest aspirations reached. The highest ambitions realized. And still there will arise new heights to surmount, new wonders to admire, new truths to comprehend, fresh objects to call forth the powers of mind and soul and body. Just a little more. All the treasures of the universe will be open to the study of God's redeemed. Unfettered by mortality, they wing their tireless flight to worlds afar. Worlds that thrilled with sorrow at the spectacle of human woe. With unutterable delight, the children of earth enter into the joy and the wisdom of unfallen beings. They share of the treasures of knowledge and understanding gained through ages upon ages in contemplation of God's handiwork. With undimmed vision, they gaze upon the glory of the creation. As the years of eternity roll on, as the years of, and the years of eternity as they roll will bring richer and still more glorious revelations of God and of his Christ. As knowledge is progressive, so will love, reverence, and happiness increase. The more men learn of God, the greater will be their admiration of his character. Wow. <clears throat> and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and all that are in the sea, I heard them say, blessing and honor and glory be unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the last sentence, the great controversy is ended. Sin and sinners are no more. The entire universe is clean. One pulse of harmony and gladness beats throughout the vast creation. From him who created all flow life and light and gladness. From the minutest atom to the greatest of to the greatest world, all things animate and inanimate, in their unshadowed beauty and perfect joy, declare God as love. Isn't that beautiful? <clears throat> this is the hope to which we are called. And this is just the beginning. <clears throat> and the invitation comes to whosoever will. I'm going to close with a prayer. And I'm going to invite you in the midst of that prayer, if you have not made a commitment to accept the one who has made a place for you there in that place, I'm going to invite you to accept the free gift of this enormous gift, the gift not only of forgiveness, but the gift of heaven itself. Thanks be to God this morning for his unspeakable gift. Let us pray.
So, Heavenly Father, it is uh, a remarkable thing as we have just scratched the surface thinking about heaven itself. And we acknowledge to you that we, we are so unworthy that we have fallen short time without number and that we are debtors to your grace. We look away from ourselves to the Lord Christ who loved us and who gave himself for us and who desires for us to give ourselves in belief to him in order that we might have the hope of life and of heaven and of forgiveness and acceptance before the throne of grace. And so in the quietness of this moment, we search our own hearts and our lives. And as we are in this moment of meditation, I extend an invitation in the name of the Lord Christ. If you have not embraced and accepted the gift offered to you from him who loved you and gave himself for you, if it is your intention for the first time to accept this gift, would you indicate to the Lord at this very moment by raising your hand and saying, Lord Christ, I accept this gift. God's peace be upon you. Heavenly Father, we who are here want to recommit ourselves to the journey some of us have committed ourselves to some many years ago and say, yes, Lord Christ, we, we embrace you as ours today and we accept you anew and thank you for loving us this day. Hear our prayer and accept this our worship even now as we offer this prayer in the name of the Lord Christ. Amen.